This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Hello and welcome to the Buckets and Tea NBA show. I'm your host, Catherine Niker. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. Today, I have a very special guest. He is the host of Locked on Raptors. I'm sure many of you already know him and love him. It's Sean Woodley. How you doing, buddy? I'm great. I don't know how many people love or know me, but I'll take it. Uh, I'm off to a rollicking start. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm sure they do. I mean, I I, I just assume there's a lot of crossover with amongst uh, us hardcore Raptor fans amongst various podcasts because we love the NBA and we love the team so much. And I just assume other people are like me and they just listen to so many people. And I'm sure you are a part of a regular rotation, my friend. I mean, here's hoping. That's the beautiful thing about, I think, Raptors coverage is like we can cross company lines and do each other's podcasts. And it does really feel like it's all just sort of one group of sickos in the corner talking about a team that (laughs) no one really cares all that much about except for us sickos who care about it a whole lot. Uh, it's it's tight. It's like the, it's like a very nice little um, friendly community who cover the Raptors. But also, as a locked on Raptors guy, and you being a Raptors a public affiliated show, I have to say my sworn enemies, uh, yada yada yada. The biggest competition. I can't even get up for that fake competition. Actually, uh, you guys are fine. You guys, I love you guys. You're amazing. Everyone support Raptors Republic. I guess. <laughs> so great you know i actually just before we started recording sean was asking me like should we drink tea on the show and i don't know why that hadn't occurred to me because i'm usually just drinking water just trying to stay hydrated but maybe tea like i should get the guests to actually drink tea and then i thought if we were in person like you know together like Mm. side by side would you poison my tea because I'm such strong competition? Yeah, yeah. Just is constantly looking for ways to put uh, cyanide into the drinks of the people who share the very niche podcast market we compete for. That's 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 yeah. what I'm all about. No. Uh, yeah. Why has everyone at Raptors Republic died after they had Sean Woodley on their show? I don't know why. <laughs> Delete this. This is going to be proof. Uh, this is going to be admissible in court. We can get rid of this now. Um, but no, the tea thing. I, I was going to grab myself some tea before this. I'm lazy and don't like waiting for the kettle, so I didn't. But uh, I feel like you could probably get to know a lot about your guests just by asking what kind of tea they're drinking. Because, man, there's just like a, a wealth of options. I feel like it's like a character personality test on Gawker or Reddit or whatever that just, uh, you know, in tea form. I love it. And I might, you know what? I might implement it. I, I actually really like this idea. Uh, next week, we're going to do a bit of a holiday special. So that'll be fun. Maybe that's like a nice way to to kick it off. But but Sean, if I, if I were so bold and I were going to make you get a cup of tea, what would it be? So I kind of have two, two routes that I go. I will usually just get like a peppermint because it makes my stomach feel better after a day of eating like garbage, which is mostly. <laughs> uh, and, you know, that that does the job just fine. I do really like, though, there's this, uh, I'm very basic, there's this David's Tea Blend they have. It's chocolate chili chai. Oh. It is like way over the top. It's very, it's like a bastardization of chai, which is the most popular drink in the world. It's, uh, you know, it's white people shit if we're being totally honest about it. <laughs> Uh, I'm okay to own it, but the chocolate chili chai, I don't know. I'm a person who likes a spicy beverage. I'm a person who likes uh, like deep chocolate notes in, in whatever I wow. uh, tend to consume. And so, yeah, it just kind of, it to me is the tea version of like a really thick stout, which is kind of my drink of choice, right. alcoholically speaking, during the wintertime. And so it kind of scratches that itch without being 
12% alcohol. It's uh <laughs> I mean it sounds like it would option. be good with like a shot of bourbon in it to be honest. That too. You can make a pretty like neat a, hot like toddy a with hot it. Hot toddy, yeah. Yeah. I do have a different I have a vanilla chai that I use for my hot toddies. I'm, oh. I'm all over the the variations on chai. I also like a basic chai as well. Don't don't get me wrong, but um yeah. I'm I, I like the flavors. I like the deep flavor profile. Give me a chocolate chili chai from David's Tea all day. You want to call me basic, that's fine. I love it. I love that you owned all of it. Shout out to David's tea, I guess. Um, yeah, I, well, I mean, for me, like I'm I'm half South Asian, so I can make my own chai and I do it go. over the stove uh, from scratch. And See, then yeah. I put it in a teapot and then I and then I sip it throughout the day. Yeah, that's that, kind of that's see. I need to myth. do that. That should be like a Christmas gift idea. I should ask for. Well, I can. Like the, I can the, send the you my ingredients for that. I can send you my <laughs> recipe. It's not. It's not too hard. It's All not right. too hard. We, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk. We, we'll, we'll talk we'll, after. We'll, we'll, we'll get. We'll get together after the show <laughs> to plan my hot drinks. I guess. Uh, yeah. Didn't know this is what we signed you up for, but glad we're here. <laughs> Listen, I'm glad we've had some very uh, nice, warm banter uh, with mild uh, threats of death off the top because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's been a rough week for us Raptors fans. You know, last week I had uh, Lewis Zatzman on and we were talking about, you know, we're not going to, you know, it's way too early to hit that panic button, blah, blah, blah. And that was before we lost two in a row uh, to the Orlando Magic and now to the Sacramento Kings. So we're going to get into all of that coming up, but we're going to start with the NBA, as we always do. Uh, our old friend, Kawhi Leonard, is he back? This is my question for you. He had an amazing game against the Boston Celtics in 29 minutes. He scored 25 points, nine rebounds, and had six assists. So, I mean, also Paul George had a really good game against them as well. He also had 25 points, six rebounds, and three assists. So when this team's healthy, they are looking very good. Sean, did you get a chance to watch the Clippers, and what do you think? I didn't get a chance to see this game, although any game in which the Boston Celtics lose is good in my books, and it's probably when I should go back and uh, and take in. But, you know, I've been keeping up with Kawhi. You know, I, I usually will catch, like, the late games. I don't watch a ton of Eastern Conference basketball because the Raptors are usually on, and then when they're not on, I've got other stuff going on typically around the 7 o'clock hour. And so it's usually around 10, 10, 30 that I kind of settle in and watch some games. And it's been a lot of Kings this year, mm. and the Clippers just happen to see, like, seemingly be on all the time as well and so i've seen like the husk clippers a whole lot without paul george without Kawhi leonard and they're no fun it's it's kind of a miserable watch i know avica zubats is doing fun stuff and having 30 and 30 games and whatnot but um you know it's not really been the most thrilling team to watch to see Kawhi finally kind of settling back in though is really nice and like i, I don't think it's crazy to suggest that at full health they're the best team in the western conference i might still go nuggets over them because i'm a nuggets freak and i'll <laughs> think the nuggets are winning the title every year for the rest of time i think it's just kind of how i roll um but you know the clippers are really really good and Kawhi, obviously we know what he can do i guess it just is the matter of you know the the very unfortunate reality the elephant in the room he hasn't been healthy for two years i know he's talked about how his knee injury is more of a two-year recovery. You know, when you you know have the ACL, it's like a year of rehab and then a year of like getting your sea legs essentially mm. after that. And so I wasn't under under any illusions that Kawhi was going to come out and win the MVP this year or anything like that. Um, but it is certainly concerning that he keeps on having these little stretches where he has to sit or he's, you know, they're, they're resting him. They're monitoring his minutes in overtime, for Christ's sake. Like, none of that is terribly encouraging. If he's healthy, if they're on the floor, yeah, he's back. And, like, the Clippers are a problem. And it just seems like he can kind of, he can kind of pick up where he left off. We saw this in the Raptors season, right? Where he played like seven games the season prior comes out and is like one of the five best players alive and carries the team to the title with one of the best playoff runs we've ever seen. It's not like he forgets how to play basketball when he's out so long, but you do wonder about like the cumulative effect of the injuries over time and like the sustainability. Can he play four rounds of playoff basketball in his state? I am going to hold off on predicting that. I'm not going to be picking the Clippers to win any titles or anything like that because of that sort of unfortunate reality, but would love to be counted wrong because Kawhi Leonard rocks and seeing him succeed is uh, is a thing I think we should, should all be hoping for. 
Yeah, I mean, I think like it was a month ago on this podcast, I asked the question if they should trade Kawhi. (laughs) (laughs) I just decided to have a a hot, chili, chocolate, chai, spicy take. Hell yeah. Um, You know, and, uh, you know, I mean, I do think it is encouraging to see him play that well when Mm -hmm. he is healthy. I mean, a part of me wondered if he still had a game like that in him. So at least we know that much is true, Mm -hmm. but I agree with you. I think, you know, the odds of him being able to play four rounds in the playoffs or even three rounds, if he like tries to skip out the first round or something like that. I mean, and that's not including the play in, but I just, it's like, I don't know, man. I, it just feels it's too early to say yet, but I am encouraged. And I did preface that take with, I'd love to be wrong. Yeah. I'd love to be be wrong, but a part of me, there's a cynical part of me because I'm not emotionally invested in the Clippers. Yeah. That's like, what if you have a a string of good games like he did or like he's currently having, and then you start, you know, answering some phone calls to (laughs) see the interest like is now would now be the time. But that's one of those things where it's like, you know, obviously you you're so invested in him. You're not the Clippers would obviously not do something like that. But it's one of those things you look back at in hindsight and go, was that the moment? Was that the moment to do it? And so there's just a little bit of spidey sense on my part that's sensing like this could be one of those hindsight moments. But, you know, for his sake, you know, the league is better when Kawhi is great. So, you 100%. know, definitely, definitely rooting for him. I'm not letting my cynical side take over, but it's just something that I, I find it very intriguing. Yeah, I mean, I can't see Steve Ballmer ever, like, uh, just being like, all right, guys, we're going to rebuild the team now. <laughs> like, that's not what Steve Ballmer's ever doing. Like, he's a psycho. He's he's going to go down with the ship. Um, I'm sorry to your listeners for doing this. No, I want to, I want to keep that impression forever. (laughs) Um, the other thing too, with the Clippers though, is like, they need to play together, right? Like they did this in the bubble. It was like, oh, well, we didn't play together all season long. We have no reps together, but it'll be fine. And it's not fine. The playoffs are hard. Like, you got to have some semblance of continuity and gelling going on with your team once you get in there. And I just don't know if the Clippers have valued that enough. I feel like they are, like, the supreme analytics team where it's like all of the players we have the numbers say they're good therefore we will win basketball games but guess what that's not how basketball works it's a human thing as well and comfortability playing with one another knowing the beats and rhythms of the guys you're playing with like that all really matters and not knowing that stuff can be the difference between winning in the second round or losing and so that's i think as big a hurdle as the Kawhi health thing even if he is going to be healthy and you can play him throughout the playoffs can you get him into enough games in the regular season with all of the other important players on the team to establish the continuity you're going to need to go to war for four rounds and that i think is just as big a question as his health itself well i think that's a an excellent point um just about the regular season continuity because i mean that's what the 2019 raptors had we had so much continuity with our core that he could sit out play again i mean at least he played like was it around 60 games that season? Yeah, 60 games. And like they yeah. got Marcus Gasol in there at the deadline and they had like 25 games of run up for the playoffs. Like mm-hmm. there was actual continuity there for sure. Yeah, no, excellent point. I think, uh, you know, ca- v- deep, cautious optimism uh, is probably warranted for that team right now. And, uh, you know, I love to see it. Um, all right, let's move on to another team I'm super, super intrigued by in the NBA, and that is the Pelicans. The Pelicans are currently, as of this recording, first in the West. Mm-hmm. First in the West. I don't think anyone saw that happening. Um, they're a really fun team to watch. And I think the question now is, you know, obviously they're going to be in the playoffs, but are does could this team go deep in the playoffs is my question. What what do you think? I mean, it's kind of hard to say that they can't. Whether they will or not, I mean, that kind of comes down to the bracket and you know, mm-hmm. do they get a matchup that hurts them or whatever? But like Zion's pretty incredible. Uh they've put the ball in his hands a lot more lately. That's kind of been, I think, the secret to them taking off a little bit here. And like if he can stay healthy. 
they have the juice. Like, they have the top-end talent you need to win a championship. That's taken care of. They have versatile defensive players where they can kind of go with all these different iterations of their team. They can play Zion at center. They can play Zion at the point. They can play Jonas at center. If Jonas isn't cutting it defensively, they can scale down and go Larry Nance Jr. at center, who's been really good for them. Um, you know, they've got a lot going for them. Herb Jones, Dyson Daniels, they got these young sort of like freak wings who can guard anybody. They are... Uh, they're a problem, man. Like the, the, CJ McCollum is in like this beautiful off ball role where he's not at the mercy of other big guards, just destroying him over the course of a playoff series. Cause he's paired with other small guards in his own backcourt. Like he's in this perfect little utopia for him. Um, it's like kind of an unorthodox team because there's not like the sort of run up that you typically see for a contender, right? Where Giannis runs up against the wall five, six years in a row before finally bursting through. Uh, You know, you get LeBron all those years in Cleveland before finally busting through in Miami. Like, you don't have a sort of transcendent superstar making his way towards an eventual title the way I think we're probably seeing with Jason Tatum at the moment. Luka Doncic will probably get there at some point. This one could just kind of happen out of nowhere, which is weird and kind of hard to contextualize, but the juice is there. Like, they got all the pieces and they're also just like fun as hell and we should be rooting for them to win a title because I, like they'll get king cake baby more screen time zion's gonna have <laughs> uh you know the sort of the spotlight on him and you know with zion as unfortunate as it is you never know when the next injury is going to come right so like capitalize on it this year while he's healthy while things are looking good uh, yeah they're, they're in a pretty awesome spot and if it doesn't happen this year, they're not going anywhere because they have all of the Lakers picks for the rest of time. They seemingly have everybody's picks for the rest of time. And that's going to give them a, a lot of sort of ammunition to go and add to what is already a team that has too many good players to even play. It's uh, it's kind of messed up. But yeah, I think they're very much for real. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, if the Pelicans do win a championship, they should have a second parade in L.A., just to thank them for all the picks and, and for Brandon Ingram and everything that they got because that trade made it possible, you yeah. know? And, and I think that is like probably the deep rooted like win out of all this aside from them actually winning. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I agree. I think there's something to be said for hitting that playoff wall. Um, this article that I, I sent you from Sports Illustrated had made a very interesting point about the play in tournament. And about mm. how like the young like uh, Phoenix Suns kind of were in that play in tournament, and then they started to hit their stride. Then the following year, it was the Memphis Grizzlies, and now mm-hmm. this year it seems to be the Pelicans. And I do think there's a lot of truth to that, and I think that's a really interesting point. But I also feel like they they haven't had those that playoff experience, which call me a traditionalist, but I do think that's very important and very valuable. Um, I think the X factor to all of that, as I'm about to contradict myself, is the, the Western Conference is not like, it's not the typical top heavy Western Conference that I think we're used to seeing in previous years, right? Like the Warriors are currently 10th. And Steph Curry just suffered a shoulder injury. I tried to look it up before we started recording. He hasn't had that MRI yet. So as oh, no, of like, it came out, he's going to be out at least a few weeks, they said. As of they said a few weeks, but I heard yeah. that th- they don't know the exact time. Like, he hasn't oh. actually done the MRI yet. Oh, well, that's always good to not know. Uh, that was know like an, for that was an hour knowing... before yeah. we started recording. So if something happened, it's the NBA. Yeah. Something could have happened. But he yeah, they're traded by now. Yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> he's on his way to the Hornets now. now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the the Warriors potent like, you know, if he's out for a few weeks, then, you know, the Warriors, I think, will still be in the mix. If yeah. it ends up being worse than we think and he's out for longer, then that really takes them out of the equation, I think. Like, the Warriors yeah. are are a playing team right now. And I think not having to face them, you know, obviously I think the Grizzlies and the Suns would be really tough matchups, and they obviously do have a lot of playoff experience now. Um, mm-hmm. The Clippers are in that mix, and I would say the Nuggets are in that mix as well. But I don't think – I look at those teams, and I don't think any of them are completely – unbeatable totally So i think this is you know obviously you know it's mid-december who knows how the bracket will shape up by april but there's a very interesting path here for the pelicans that i think is more realistic 
than for a lot of younger up and coming teams we've seen in quite some time. Yeah, and I mean, if you can hang on to the one seed, which they're tied with the Grizzlies right now, and the Grizzlies could very well go and get that thing too. But even if you're yeah. a one or two seed, like you set yourself up well. And this is the problem for the Warriors. Even if Steph is out for three weeks and comes back, if you lose ground and are in the play-in, and that's just where you're going to be because you've lost too much ground on the sixth seed, then that makes your road to making the finals really difficult. You can be the team on paper everyone's scared of, but you have to play three really good teams back to back to back. At some point, your luck's probably going to run out no matter how talented you are. Um, and, you know, they haven't been as good this year as they were last year. So I, I wouldn't mm-hmm. count on the Warriors at this point really making all that much noise deep into the spring. Could be wrong, obviously. The Warriors are the Warriors. But the mm-hmm. Steph injury is kind of a death knell, honestly, to them being top-tier Western Conference seeded teams and i think that's going to be super crucial for the teams in the west this year um yeah it's you know i still think Jokic is the best player in the conference and so i usually will just sort of skew towards that and say well they'll figure it out um but that said like they are a team that seems prone to you know point zion destroying Nikola Jokic and pick and roll and all that stuff. Like there's lots of ways this could go wrong for all of these teams. It's mm-hmm. going to be crash and burn for some of them. It's going to be fun. It's going to be hilarious. We're going to get to, <laughs> you know, have great takes and all that. But um, yeah, the Pelicans, like just by mere, the mere fact that they are hanging around that one or two seat, that's going to give them a way better shot because they'll be kind of fighting against these beleaguered teams that, had to probably fight real hard to just get to the the playoffs or the play-in, go through a play-in, and then all of a sudden Zion's dunking on your head. That's got to be kind of deflating if you're the Warriors or any of those other teams in that 7-10 to mix. Mm -hmm. I kind of hope they face the Suns after that dunk that he had at the end of the game and they mm. all got all upset and in their feelings and you're telling stuff. me the team with chris paul is being little whiny babies about a thing that <laughs> happened with, with rules and unwritten rules and whatnot crazy oh my god i would love to see it i would absolutely love to see it i'm sure i'm not alone in that um all right we've got one other nba thing before we get into the raptors and that is uh there's been a weird update in terms of the uh the cba agreement negotiations they were supposed to i believe come to some sort of terms by literally today december the 15th but they've extended Mm. their deadline to february the 8th and i guess essentially if they don't come to an agreement on certain key topics by then uh it would leave the league vulnerable towards a lockout sean i don't know if you've been following this um but do you think there is potential that the league could come to agreement could not come to agreement where do you see this going yeah, I mean, I don't have like the inner workings of the, the negotiations or anything on tap, but you know, I always no assume does. I always assume the owners want to lock the players out, just kind of as a rule in any of these things, because that's what owners do. They're they're ghouls, and they want to save as much money as they can, and <laughs> they want to fleece the players. This is ha- this happens in every sport, um, so that's kind of always my assumption. That said. The owners would be fucking idiots if their greed led to a work stoppage right now in the NBA, where the NBA is kind of through the COVID stuff, it seems. You have a normal season taking place. You have all these brand new fresh faces taking over the league. It's been sort of like a passing of the torch the mm-hmm. last couple of years, it's felt like from the LeBron-Steph era over to the Luka, Tatum, Giannis, Doncic era, and you know all the other guys that are excellent around them the jaws the the zions um and you also are about to have a ton of tv money come in so everyone's going to be flush with cash anyway you got gambling money on the way like there's no reason for the owners to like cry poor here and the thing that's happening is they want a hard cap i guess is like their sort of big thing yeah the players are not going to budge on that and ultimately i don't think a hard cap will come in i think the league's too far gone when it comes to the amount of money that's been spent on guys that are for existing contracts the the way the cap has gone up the way teams build their entire team building plans around the different machinations of the cap whether you're over the tax under the tax in the apron yada 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 it seems really hard to just be like, all right, hard cap now, and this is to curb excessive spending. How about the billionaires who own these sports teams as vanity projects treat the vanity project like a vanity project? This isn't a small business that you're trying to keep afloat to keep your family fed. This is a basketball team. You're a billionaire. If you don't want to have the vanity project anymore and spend money on it, sell it and make an enormous profit. Stop crying poor. As much as I wish that we could dump on the Warriors and Steve Ballmer and the Clippers, 
they're actually the heroes here because they're like, screw it. We have the money. We're billionaires. We're just going to pay the money to have really good basketball teams. And there is not a single owner in the NBA other than maybe Tillman Fertitta, who is broke ass and has fake wealth. Uh, other than that, <laughs> there's no reason any of these owners should be crying poor and saying, well, these teams are spending too much. It's unfair to us. Uh, you can do the same. Have you seen your bank accounts? They're flush. I promise you, you're all right. So, yeah, th this stuff always drives me nuts because ultimately, too, you know, as much as we love the players and root for the players to win in this stuff as well. I mean, it's also they're closer to the billionaires than us normies anyway. And so it's like, OK, it's rich people fighting with rich people over rich people stuff that doesn't it concern me anyway. So I have a hard time really, you know, getting too worked up one way or another. But anytime the owners start to pull things out like, oh, it's it's too expensive to keep up with the warriors. Like, OK, then sell your team, dude. Then this is just not the business for you. I'm sure there's some oligarch somewhere who would love to buy the team and treat it as a vanity project like it's supposed to be. Ugh, rant over. <laughs> Man, Sean, I would love it if you became a billionaire. That, what a, I would be the most irresponsible while also philanthropic <laughs> uh, there would be. At least I like to think that would be the case. Maybe, I, maybe, maybe you just reach a certain part, point of wealth where you just have ghoul brain and there's just nothing you can do about it. I'll never know. Uh, but, you know, but maybe it's just your brain changes when you have that much money and it's impossible to do it right, I suppose. Yeah, I still wish it for you just because I feel like your personality really suits it. Uh, based on oh, I don't know. Shots fired. I promise I'm not going to put cyanide in your drinks, okay? You don't got to knock me down. Oh, I, couldn't, I couldn't help myself. It was right there. It was right there. Um, but yeah, so yeah, the key issues um, around this, like you said, is a hard cap, which would just uh, for clarification, would replace the luxury tax entirely. So mm -hmm. they want to get rid of the luxury tax and just have a hard cap, which is, I think, also ridiculous. And I don't think they would lose. I don't think it, they're going to win that. Like, I do think yeah. there would be a lockout before they ever issued a hard cap. The um, thing with the hard cap, too, Catherine, yeah. sorry. To yeah, no, off, go ahead. Just any time that you're thinking of doing something that the NHL has done, don't do it. Like, that's bad. The <laughs> NHL sucks. And the reason the NHL sucks in a large part is because I have a hard cap where there's no wiggle room. You have all these really good teams that will develop good players and then they just have to trade them all because there's no money. And then every team is the same. There's no teams that are great. There's no teams that are terrible. It's not fun. The NHL is a miserable, miserable existence. As someone who works covering the NHL as part of my day job, uh, it sucks. It's a terribly run league and you should never be trying to do things that they have done because they usually do the wrong thing. So that like should be like, Big red flag number one. Oh, the NHL is a hard cap. Uh oh, we can't we, we we can't go ahead and do that. It also like limits trades. It makes it really hard for the trade market to percolate um, mm -hmm. because all these like GMs are like, well, there's no money. It's really hard to make trades, and I don't want to do my job. Well, that would be ridiculous. So, um, <laughs> yeah, d d don't do a hard cap. It would be very bad for so 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 many reasons. You're gonna be my CBA guy forever now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's just bring on the uninformed loud guy to talk about the rich people shall we i think i might make that my thing if there is a lockout this is what this show's about honestly um no i think uh i didn't even i don't follow the nhl like at all um mm -hmm. between the nba and the WNBA, like i just don't have time for a third league you're making um, a good call uh, for your, your <laughs> mental health for your enjoyment of sports you're making the right decision yes and uh so you know i didn't even know that they had that as an example to look at mm -hmm. and now that i know that that exists that makes it even more egregious than i even that i already thought it was <laughs> um yeah yeah, the other thing is they're trying to get rid uh, I don't know which side is trying to get rid of this. Uh, the one and done rule, which would allow players to come into the league uh, from high school. Mm -hmm. So that's like another thing that's being negotiated. And then, of course, like incentives for players to play during the regular season and not sit out games, you know, mm -hmm. all the, the load management stuff. Um, basically, the main concern is money once again mm -hmm. and uh more specifically uh when they're renegotiating their their television agreements because they don't it, it hurts their negotiation with the networks if they can't you know if they think players are just going to sit out just because mm -hmm. so 
you know, there's a lot going on there. I mean, I'm not like, so I don't feel supremely confident that they're going to negotiate this and come to a full agreement by February. I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of this is pretty complex. Yeah, it, it really should just come down to looking at the landscape of the league and realizing that a lockout would be incredibly damaging at this time. And it's always damaging to have a lockout, but I think especially as the league is kind of hitting this crescendo of momentum following the pandemic where things were all over the place, like this would be such a poor time. Not even the NHL would have a lockout right now. Uh, <laughs> and they love to have lockouts. Um, yeah, I, I think... It's a weird thing with like the, you know, the the draft and whatnot, you know, that I feel like is stuff you can figure out. They've already kind of pointed towards that being a thing where they're going to get rid of the one and done rule. The one and done rule was always meant to prop up college basketball. I feel like their incentive to prop up college basketball was growing lesser and lesser as fewer future NBA players are going through college basketball. Um, So like, I, I feel like that will be ultimately fine and they'll get the one and done guys back in. And, you know, I think these teams now have the infrastructure with their G league teams and stuff to actually treat these 18 year old kids like 18 year old kids and actually bring them along. Whereas back in the nineties, there was no G league infrastructure. They were just like, all right, you're an 18 year old and you're in the NBA now go learn how to be an NBA player. That's really hard for most 18 year olds. And so um, I think they're better set up for it now. I think there's just enough spots for guys to go and play on, on these, you know, G league teams, two way deals, all this stuff that it should probably come through. No problem. But when it comes to the schedule stuff, I mean, I don't know what you're supposed to do because it kind of feels like the NBA wants to have its cake and eat it too, where it's like, well, all of our players are going to play all the games, but also uh, we we are going to like drive these guys into the ground for 82 games over the season. Like you have to shorten the season if you want to have all of your guys available every night. I think that's pretty clear at this point. It's too compact. The, the games are too high octane. The league's too competitive. Guys get hurt too much. Travels too much. If you're going to limit rest, you have to shorten the schedule, but they are not going to shorten the schedule ever because they want all the gate revenue and they want all the TV TV revenue for from 82 games as opposed to 70 or whatever. So I just feel like this is kind of at a standstill and you just have to accept that sometimes guys aren't going to play. You can do, I, I think, you know, I, I like the little two-game series. I know it's kind of weird and kind of tilts the schedule a little bit sometimes, but I think for travel purposes and just for like, the intrigue of watching a team play each other back to back. Like I like them and I think they could kind of hammer down on that a little bit more and make it more of a thing, the little baseball style series to prevent travel from being too arduous. But ultimately, unless they're going to shorten the schedule or just play for 10 months of the year, I don't really see the solution to the resting thing because the game is too demanding. Guys get hurt. That's just how it is right now. I don't even know how many guys you really see resting just like as random rest nights. It's mostly guys are injured as hell and that's why they're resting. Mm-hmm. And so I, that feels like a bit of an unsolvable problem to me. Hopefully it's not like a deal breaker situation, but um, you know, the NBA can't have it both ways with this one. I don't think. You know, I'm going to go back on something I said a few minutes ago. I do feel confident that they'll come to an agreement on February <laughs> because I I just I agree. I just think that, you know, some of these things, they just have to suck it up. Hmm. You know, like you're not going to have a hard cap. It's just not going to happen. It'd be stupid to go into a lockout. You know, players get injured, TV networks, you're going to have to deal with it. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think cooler heads will prevail, but it's just interesting to see that these negotiations have become tense to the point where an extension had to be made mm-hmm. uh, for them to continue. So I thought it was worth noting. Um, all right, Sean, let's do this. Let's get Woo! our Raptors angst yes. out of our systems with our Homer moment. So, you know, Sean, I emailed you mm-hmm. and I said, you know, we've got we've got fans freaking out here. We've got people suggesting everything you could possibly think of in terms of what to do to help this team. I mm-hmm. said, let's pretend you are in charge of fixing the Raptors. What would you do? Yeah, I mean, it's a big question. It's I a big feel question. Like it also doesn't have to be that big, though, I feel like. like It can just be a simple, oh, we, we've built this team. And then, like, this is speaking from the front office's perspective, because I kind of think right now it is in the front office. Like 
Nick Nurse is not the reason they're shooting six of 21 from three every night. As much okay. as people like to, you know, harangue the coach and say, oh, it's the coach's fault for everything. It's just not like the players haven't been executing. The injuries have been a thing it's sapped the continuity. Like it's undeniable. And as much as Nick Nurse isn't perfect, he can't fix everything just by doing coaching better. That's not how it works. <laughs> the front office came into this season, I think justifiably thinking, we didn't need to do a ton in the offseason because we can bank on internal growth. We can bank on the back part of Precious Achua's season last year being real and that there's a three-point shooting big slash wing slash weirdo there, and we can roll with that. Maybe Chris Boucher bounces back and settles somewhere between the 39% shooter he was in Tampa and the 29% shooter he was last year. If you get 34% from Chris Boucher, you're laughing. Uh, you know, someone, whether it be Delano Banton, Justin Champagny, Malachi Flynn, these deep bench guys, one of them will pop. One of them will offer some sort of depth. Otto Porter Jr., if he's our big addition, that dude shoots the hell out of the ball. If he plays, great. None of that's happened, Right. Otto Porter hasn't played. These guys haven't developed. Chris Boucher still bricks every three he takes while also still being really fun and good. Um, and Precious <laughs> has been hurt and was not very good before that. And then it's compounded by the fact that your three best shooters are all having outlier bad shooting seasons at the same time. And it's just sapped the offense completely. And that bleeds into all the other elements of the game. The defense is, you know, forced to be super aggressive so they can actually do something on offense and transition. But that leads to all sorts of blow buys and breakdowns and easy buckets at the rim and corner threes for role players who you're going to think about for the rest of time. Like it's, it's tricky. The front office went in thinking all of these holes would be filled, and they haven't been. And so shooting and center play, really the two things they've punted on with the way they've built the team are the things that are coming back to bite them. And I thought in the Kings game on Wednesday, they bit them maybe harder than they have all season long. The three-point yeah. shooting was very obvious. The Kings were bombing threes. The Raptors just couldn't even take them. They've just like gone art basketball and are like, to threes? Why would we even do that? That's silly. Um, <laughs> and then the, the center play, I have high hopes for Christian Coloco down the line. He's not the answer right now. And you need to have real rim protection, especially with the way the Raptors play to clean up those messes. There's a reason Marc Gasol was so effective on this team. He was the guy who could cover up for all the other mistakes or breakdowns that are caused by being hyper aggressive. And so if you're the front office, you have information now. You're 28 games in. The information is got to get some shooting, got to get some center play. I don't think the problem is the four best players. As much as Fred has struggled, yes, it's not ideal that he has kind of lost a little bit of burst. I think he can more than capably perform the role of fourth guy around OG, Scotty, and Pascal, who are a kick-ass core who you're not breaking up. Those three guys are the dudes you go to war with. So really the answer is, oh, we got to add some shooting and, and some big man help. And that's easier said than done, but I think it's kind of staring them blankly in the face you got to do these things, otherwise this season is going to waste a year of Pascal Siakam at the peak of his powers. It's going to waste what could have been another step forward to get some further playoff experience for a team that has high ambitions down the line. And it's now December 15th. The trade season's open. Most of the league can be traded as of today. you got to go and find answers to those two questions. If you could do it in one player and get a Miles Turner, amazing, incredible or maybe it's a Boyan Bogdanovich and uh, sort of, you know, a, a Mitchell Robinson or a Nerlens Noel or someone like that who can fill in and be a rim-protecting center. But those two things are the things that are glaring. And I think if you're the front office, expending a couple of first-round picks, maybe some back-end roster players, maybe even like a Precious Achua, do you dangle him to try to make a big move? I like Precious a lot, but he might still have value around the league if you want to try to reshape things. And if you get Miles Turner, is Precious Achua really a part of your plans going forward? Who's to say? But um, that's kind of where it is for me. I'm hunting those sort of on-the-margins ads because I don't think the problem is the good players. I think the problem is that there's not quite enough good players and not enough support for the good players and what they do well. And the front office has knowingly made this call. They have said, these are going to be the holes that we're going to accept as we wait for development. Development's not happening. You got to go fill the holes now. Sean, I completely agree with you. I, um, I didn't put this question on our docket, but this is something I wanted to ask you. Because um, I'm not a, an analytics person, mm. admittedly. I'm sure everyone listening to the show knows that, but we're still entertained, <laughs> right? We're still entertained. Hell yeah. 
but I uh, I have not been a huge fan of the six nine experiment. Right. Um, you know, I I trust in Masai. I still do. Um, but I haven't been a huge fan of it. And what really did it for me was our series against the 76ers, hmm. right? I just felt like Embiid had his way with us. And Embiid is Embiid for a reason, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm not taking anything away from his greatness. But when he hit that corner three against us in that overtime game three, I just thought to myself, we haven't done anything to prevent that play from happening to us over and over and over again. Hmm. And, you know, and I just, I have been missing a a proper center, a proper Hmm. starting center ever since Marcus all and Sergi Baca weren't a part of this team anymore. And so I don't know if I'm the only one who feels that way. I don't think I am. Um, I just think we, we really need a center. Of course, I agree. We definitely need shooting and, and everything you said, I think is a pretty solid blueprint. And I'm sure our front office is on it, but I really miss a center and I would really love to see a proper big in our starting lineup. Yeah. I, I think I'm coming around on that too. Like I, so with centers, I think the Raptors are actually kind of right to be not throwing all of their resources at that spot. Like, I don't think you really want to be, unless you're paying Jokic or Embiid or Bam Adebayo, I don't think you should be spending massive resources at center because ultimately, unless you're getting those sort of next level skills that those guys bring, you're looking for like typical center jobs to be done, right? You're looking for someone yes. who can set screens, make plays on the short roll, doesn't have to be flashy necessarily. So if you can get someone who can kind of do those things on the margins and for cheaper, I think that's a good call. And I like that they haven't sold out to go get Rashawn Holmes or something like that. Yes. That to me is not the solution they've been looking for. But yeah, it does feel like they got to get some passable center play, and they're not getting any of it right now. Bless Dad Young's heart, but up against Amonis Sabonis, he's too small. He's not a, a big enough guy to protect the yeah. rim properly. He's not going to clean up those messes. And yeah, like they, they have to get some kind of center just to give them another look. I think Vision six foot nine. You know, maybe I honestly feel like calling a Vision six nine at this point is almost like narrowly focusing it too much because there's other stuff going on, and it really is just about having big players who are skilled. That's what they're doing, and I do think that's the way the NBA is going. That's what the Orlando Magic are doing. It's what the Pelicans are doing in a lot of ways. Have big players. The bigger the players who are skilled are, the, like that's get as many of those guys as possible. Masai has said I could build a whole team out of OGs and I'd be happy. I don't think that's wrong. But you got to have until the league entirely says, well, centers are stupid and everyone's 6'9 now, you can't be like, <laughs> well, our way is better because it's not. Because there's other teams that have guys who are going to make it hell for your 6'9 dudes trying to play center. So while I think the, the lineups of all 6'9 guys or four 6'9 guys do have their place and can probably play a pretty heavy share of minutes for this team. There are unquestionably moments where you got to have an actual center out there to go and, and, and bang with a dude, to go and just like set screens. In the case of, say, a Miles Turner, for example, to, you know, pick and pop and offer a little bit of spacing and obviously to clean up the back end things on the defense, which the defense is so desperately crying out for a guy like that. Um, yeah, that that is pretty clearly like a, a glaring weakness right now for the team. And, and you know, while I think Vision 6 9 has its merits. I don't think you can have a roster of entirely six nine guys because then you're 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 sort of handcuffing yourself and painting yourself into a corner. You got to be versatile. The Raptors who won the title were the most versatile team. They could do everything. They could play big. They could play small. They could play zone. They could play high hedge. They could play all sorts of defenses. Change it on the fly based on the possession. And I don't think the Raptors right now have the personnel that's diverse enough to be able to do that. Which is where you have to get to if you want to go deep into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, what I do like about the 6-9 vision is the versatility in skills amongst each individual player. Totally. Like yeah. the idea that like Pascal could play point guard or something like that is like very exciting and intriguing to me. And I think that is like, I love that part of it. Like that part yeah. of it is awesome. But Any team building vision that is like, well, let's just get Pascal Siakam, Scotty Barnes and OG Ananobi and play them together. That's a good vision. That makes a yes. lot of sense. Those yes. guys rock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, yeah, it's just the lack of a center presence, especially now. Like, I, I feel like 
when you know during that 2019 and even in 2020 like marcus i felt really helped fred's offense yeah like those two clicked so well offensively and i feel like he's missed that he's had to do so much more like creating of his own shot and stuff he needs a big guy to get these other guys out of his way you know <laughs> and i i just miss that for him and yeah, I, I just feel like I, I would love to see this team get a center. I agree. You can't, you don't throw everything at it, but someone who's like very serviceable. I know a lot of fans are mentioning Jakob Pertl potentially mm-hmm. coming back. Someone of that caliber, I would love to see on this team. I don't know if we have the assets. Here's another question for you, Sean. Yeah. Um, do you think we have the assets to pull off both of these things to get a center and to get more shooting? Or do we just have to wait? out our players getting healthy um, and or like get a center and then just wait out the rest of us getting healthy and getting out of this slump or like where, where do you lean on that? I think it depends on sort of whether or not you think the Raptors should be hoarding their chips to make a superstar trade at some point, which, Hey, Mm. maybe that's the, the argument. I kind of think the Siakam Barnes OG trio is good enough to build a contender out of as like your core, especially as Scotty kind of grows into the player we all figure he's going to be despite the struggles this year. I don't think I'm any cooler on Scotty's potential upside than I was coming into the year. I think there's more potential that it doesn't get reached maybe, but um, you know, he's really talented and we see even in games where he struggles and has bad mistakes, he goes 27, seven and 10 and makes it look easy. Like, these are really special basketball players. So if you think those three guys can be your dudes going forward and you don't maybe see like an obvious superstar trade out there, and we could talk it if you want and go crazy if it's certainly <laughs> about guys, but like, I think, yeah, you can put your picks on the table. You can offer up a couple first rounders, one for a Bojan Bogdanovic, one for a Jakob Pertl, throw in a couple seconds for the Knicks and getting Isaiah Hartenstein out of there or something like that. Like, there's the the maneuverability here to make two trades to revamp this roster, I think. Um, you know, Gary Trent Jr. being an expiring deal certainly makes that easier. Uh, I think, you know, something involving Trent for Miles Turner is something I've got circled as like, a, oh, that would be pretty sweet if they could pull that off. Um, you know, it would depend on, you know, the Raptors would have to go all out to keep Turner and use their bird rights to, to bring him back and all of that, which I would imagine they'd be able to convince him of that. Um, they usually are have a pretty good track record of trading for guys who are expiring and then signing them long-term. We've seen mm-hmm, this with, mm-hmm. with Ibaka. We've seen this with all sorts of guys. Uh, boy, would Prime Ibaka be awesome on this team? Holy hell. Oh, uh, my God. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, and just, like, would fix the vibes and everything. But mm-hmm. the... Yeah, I, I think they have it if you don't think they should be hoarding all their chips for a superstar trade. If you think they should be waiting until Shea Gilgis-Alexander gets disenchanted with the Thunder, which may never happen. If you, you're waiting for Carl Anthony Towns to be the next guy out of Minnesota, which maybe your mileage varies as to whether you want Towns on the Raptors. I personally think a Siakam Towns front court sounds awesome to me, uh, but that's just me. Um, you know, if, if you think that's the deal you should be holding out for, then no, they probably don't have all the juice to address all their issues right now. But when you factor in also that they have Coloco as a potential, you know, sweetener to a deal, Precious, like I think there's enough on the roster to, and even Chris Boucher is like a pretty movable contract. If you're trying to reshape what the five through 10 guys on the team look like, I think they have the pieces and the picks to pull it off. Um, Sean, I wanted to ask you, I tried to create a scale using various memes, but I don't, (laughs) but I feel like just describing them and not seeing them isn't as exciting, but I wanted to ask you from a scale of like baby pumping fist to the guy checking out another girl while his girlfriend uh stares back at him uh to the spider-man <laughs> pointing fingers at each other to the dog sitting in the house on fire sean where are you on this panic meme meter i think i'm at the michael jordan get some help meme because like oh. that's what they need they need some help like it, i'm not like panicked i also think like they could probably not do anything and this will still even out and they will be a 45 win team. Like I, I still, that's sort of where I feel that's not satisfying when they won 48 last year, but I, I still think there's a run 
in this team somewhere if they can get some health and like the damn breaks on the missed threes, which I just feel like it can't last all season long. That they're shooting this poorly. Um, but yeah, as far as like uh, if, if I'm looking for other options, there's the get some help meme. There is um, <laughs> the other one too, just sort of encapsulate the frustrating nature of this season is the kid with the bursting blood vessels in his head. Um, <laughs> you know, the kid of, of which I speak, the purple faced child. Um, that one maybe is just like, because again, I feel like there's a good team in here. And yet when I watch them, they don't play good. And yes. so it makes my blood vessels get all pointy and, and, and want to explode out of my forehead. So those would be my two picks, I think. Yeah, those are good picks. I agree. Those are fun. Um, all right, Sean, it's time for our not so Nick Nurse hottie highlight of the week. <laughs> I put in this email. Listen, I want everyone to know because this segment has been it. It's not it has not been thriving. Let's put it that way. And I want fans to know, like, I want listeners to know, fans of Nick Nurse and listeners of mine to know that I really try with this segment. I, I, <laughs> I Google him every week. I, I see what he's saying in the news. I really try to find something of a hottie highlight for him. It, it just did not happen this week. We're on a losing streak. Half these fans want him fired. I blame myself for creating a calendar. It's like the second I created a calendar, suddenly everybody wants them gone, you know? So I decided to switch it up this week. Um, there was something that was very, I thought I found amusing uh, in a real Gen X kind of way. And that is uh, on Inside the NBA, uh, they tried to pressure Charles Barkley into getting a tattoo live on the air and they had him lying down on the bench and everything and then eventually he did not go through with it so my question for you sean is if you were pre peer pressured by literally by Shaq, if you're mm -hmm. being peer pressured by shaquille o'neal on live television to get a tattoo would you do it and what would be your tattoo of choice a, yes, I would, because Shaq is terrifying, and I feel like I would just like, you know, <laughs> okay, sure, whatever you say, man. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah. Um, do, what was the tattoo they were trying to put on Barkley? Was it, did, they, did they say what it was? Maybe, but maybe just not in the clip that I saw, because oh, okay, I saw gotcha. it after the fact. Right. Um, so for me, like, I would get it, because, you know, anything for the content. Like, I'm assuming this is, like, on my <laughs> podcast. Like, we'll, we'll just put it yeah, on the Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, so on, it's on Lockdown feet. Raptors. It's, it's I've invited Shaq onto the show. Shaq yeah, is talking on. with me. Yeah. Um, I, I guess I also have a tattoo artist on hand, or I'm doing it, like, sticky you're, you're style in per, You're in or... person together. Okay. No one okay. no one spiked your tea. Okay. And, you know, the tattoo people are on standby. Yeah, uh, I think I would. Artists, I, you know, I don't know why I said the tattoo people. If I'm able to choose, if I'm able to choose the piece that I get, then absolutely, I have one tattoo. I'm planning to get more because uh, I kind of got the itch when I got the one. It's a oh. very small one, but uh, I would like to get some. And so, like, if I can get them on Shaq's dime, hell yeah, that sounds awesome to me. Is he yeah, is he paying for the time in the studio and all that? Yeah, means? let's assume Shaq's yeah. got the bill. Yeah, so in that case, I'm getting a big one. Uh, enormous piece is going to take the whole double header to to do it on a Thursday night, um, <laughs> and I'll, I'll get like I'll get something Raptors themed. I'll get like Ooh. the Raptor, the Raptor himself, like jumping through a flaming hoop or something like that. Oh my god, that's um, amazing! I feel like that is probably where I'd go. I mean, I have like another tattoo that's like more personal that I like want to get and like I'm planning to get on my leg. So maybe I would just like get that handled like Shaq are you all right to get this uh bear themed tattoo I want please like it's uh, um but like if I'm going with uh like uh, you know basketball themed yeah give me something related to the raptor um raptor's never going out of style the raptor's immortal um hopefully the raptor never gets canceled and I won't feel bad for having the tattoo uh but yeah the raptor jumping through a hoop is uh is probably what I'd have Shaq uh you know, oh line my up for god me on the yeah let's hope the raptor never gets canceled i don't think i can handle that honestly i don't i don't actually think i can cope yeah. um with that that's so funny i also have only one tattoo i have this theory mm -hmm. i think people have one tattoo or they have three or more mm. i don't think anyone has two tattoos unless they have plans for more right because i think people like you get a tattoo and then you're just like i'm good 
or like you get that itch and you just keep going like i got this tattoo when i was like 22 and it's just this like it's the symbol Mm. that janet jackson also has tattooed on her wrist Mm -hmm. because i'm such a diehard janet jackson fan (laughs) that that's my one tattoo and i went to this like really like not great place in mississauga and they didn't do Mm. a very good job so i just feel like i haven't gotten another one since although i what I want to do is I want to get it fixed. I mm. want to get it done right. So yeah. maybe that would be, I would fix this tattoo on TV if I had the chance. That's what That I sounds do. like uh, you could get the guy, would they have that show, right? Like the tattoo rescue or whatever. Like you could bring in yeah. that person. Maybe there's like a TNT crossover situation going on. A little spawn con. Yeah. I, that that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, on, it's on my ankle and it's like, it was very painful. Mm, like yeah, i don't don't want the don't want these people lie to you that that <laughs> shit hurts it does hurt it's they're yeah. sticking a needle into your arm thousands of times in quick succession it hurts yeah 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 <laughs> sean i have to say you did not swear on this podcast nearly as much as i thought you would but <laughs> um but i'm really glad i feel like you came into this with with really great perspective honestly and earnestly you know like you i sound sarcastic so i always have to tell people when i'm not being sarcastic (laughs) my normal cadence is just sarcasm but no like i i just think you know there's so many fans who are just freaking out they don't know what to do it it isn't a clear-cut one thing you know there's multiple things happening at the same time here but i think you know when you really still it down i think those are the issues and i and i do think as of december 15th there is still reasons to not blow up this team and freak out and fire everybody there's this i've been kind of talking about this on my show this week but like i feel like patience is the great market inefficiency in pro sports where there's just like no room for it but if you just let things ride they usually are going to work out. And I feel like the Raptors of the last decade are the case study for that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, just see what happens. Make small adjustments. Don't get crazy. Don't overreact to stuff. Don't overreact to the best player of all time eating your lunch in the playoffs all the time, right? Like, there will come a time mm-hmm. to react to that and, and make, you know, sweeping changes. But, like, it doesn't have to be immediate. And I, I just feel like every losing streak with this team these days kind of feels like, this like paranoid oh my god it's all falling down moment and it's like it's a 82 game season these things happen they Mm -hmm. were 14 and 17 last year and they won 48 games and you know it's not like for like or anything like that it's not guaranteed they're going to do that again but like they could very what very much could happen like they looked really damn good the first 10 games before pascal got hurt and then Mm -hmm. that's the sort of moment at which the season took a turn and there's no coincidence to that Pascal Siakam's incredible and he's so integral to what they do that you throw that out of whack and it's going to take some time to restabilize and I still don't know if they've even had that time um also like I remember watching Jermaine O'Neal and Hito Turkoglu play for the Raptors anyone who's like (laughs) this is terrible I'm despair ridden being a Raptors fan is so hard hey you won a title like four years ago you're fine go swaddle yourself in your championship gear you're going to be just fine uh and also like (laughs) It can be so much worse than this. Imagine having Brian Colangelo panicking for his job every summer, just making idiot move after idiot move after idiot Uh move. The Raptors are not in that place. They're a real functional franchise. They have real functional people running the show. They're going to figure it out. Whether it features all of the same players they have right now, Who's to say? Uh, but I feel like they've got a pretty good thing going at the top, and you know it's filling in the rest of the roster that's the problem. And like, if they can do it, great. If they can't, then this may be a lost year. But it doesn't mean I'm any lower on the sort of long-term outlook for the guys who matter on this team, because the guys who matter, the Pascal, OG, Scotty trio, is really good and is a really good place to be starting from. So like, just just relax. It's Scotty Pascal and OG are the trio who exist because Sonny Weems, Amir Johnson, and Damar once walked, right? Like, it, it's it, it, it's just, 
it gets so it can be so much worse than this. You haven't seen real anguish if you're sitting here thinking <laughs> that this 13 and 15 start of the season is the end of the world. Uh, go back and watch the Hito Turgaloo season. It was a nightmare that mm-hmm. was like sending their best player down to Miami gift wrapped because they were such a pathetic excuse of a franchise. It's not the case anymore. It's probably going to be all right. Um, I love that. And, you know, I, I am always, you know, talking about the panic fans, you know, trying to get them to not panic so much. But I promise all it you really panic- is like telling it's like me telling my wife to relax about something. Don't do that. There's, don't tell the panic fans <laughs> to not panic. It's a terrible idea. <laughs> Well, that's probably relationship advice I need. But um, <laughs> you know, if we lo- if we lose for another week, I'll just do like a pure like trade machine episode. Okay, so that like, sounds fun too. If, that's if coming it, down the if, pipe for me too. Don't worry. Oh yeah. So it's like you know, either way, we're going to be entertained and we're going to have a lot of fun. Sean, thank you so much for joining me this week. Um, I really appreciate it. Uh, for all of us uh, listening, let us know where we can find you on the internets. Yeah, uh, there's Twitter. Don't follow me on Twitter. It's at Woodley Sean if you no, really, really want not, to. Hold on. You, like, are, you are a great follow. I guess, but like, does, 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 is it cool to be on Twitter anymore? I don't even know. But either way, that's where all my stuff is because that's where most of the people I don't know if it's it cool, easiest. but we're still there. Yeah, I mean, I'm going down <laughs> with the ship. It's like I'm not picking up a new website now. I'm 30 now. It's not happening. Um, so yeah, there's Twitter. You can go to Lockdown Raptors five days a week, Monday through Friday, 30 minutes a day. Uh, got lovely guest Vivek Jacob from Raptors.com comes on on Mondays. Katie Heindel, I know a favorite of yours, yeah. is on every Wednesday. We got Jamar Hines from Raptors Republic is on every Thursday or every other Thursday, that is. Lots of great guests sprinkled in around there as well. Casey Bannerman, the noted Raptors uh, artist, uh, is going to be on the show tomorrow, actually. So you can have that to look forward to. Lots of good stuff. And uh, yeah, every day we're on youtube or on the podcast apps wherever you get your shows awesome love it uh thanks everyone for tuning in and uh we'll catch you next time bye